0: none maria ven que veure diu menjej dia fa <tots> ja 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 ja
1: Welcome to Ibithology, a new podcast celebrating the culture and history of the island of Ibiza. I'm Bill Beecham, an Ibiza-based journalist, and in each podcast I will interview Ibithans who are contributing in some way to the life and culture of this diverse island. In the previous episode of Ibithology, I introduced you to the Irish writer Damien Enright. He told us his story of life in Ibiza in the 1960s, centred around the Bohemian Domino Bar in La Marina. Damien was a free spirit and ended up doing a drugs run to Turkey. Returning to the Spanish border, disaster struck as customs officials began dismantling his VW camper van, which was stuffed full of marijuana. Damien escaped across the border into Spain and hid in an apartment in Dalt Villa while the police searched for him. His book, Dope in the Age of Innocence, describes his adventures and brings to life a time of great social change in Europe, which also touched Ibiza and Formentera. In part two, I accompany Damien and his wife Marie as we tour his old haunts in Ibiza town, including his hideaway in Dalt Villa and the Domino Bar. Let's join them now, first in their apartment on Varadaray, as Damien describes the deal he has signed which could lead to a TV series based on the book. Then we head out into the town. Okay, so the, you've got the, the book, the rights to the book.
2: Yeah, yeah. Have, the, been, have um, been bought by who? Gaumont Films of France. They're very, very. They're the oldest film producers, I think, in Europe, and they've produced hundreds of films. Some of them classics. So they're serious people, and it's being. It was discovered. The book was, quote-unquote, discovered by some German writers who had had a huge success in Germany with a series called Four Blocks. That's the number four, Four Blocks. Yeah, uh, and, and these three guys uh, in Berlin did terribly well with this um, Four Blocks series and are doing two or three more Um, series of that and uh, so they found it uh, and want to make it exactly as it is in the book and Gaumont totally agree with that. So Gaumont optioned it for me for a year no, two years. They optioned it for two years. Paid me the money, which is the important thing. Excellent.
1: like this. Good to get that in the back.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, I went and met the writers in Berlin uh, about two months ago. Wow. And they're absolutely convinced they want to keep it exactly as it is. And I told them that my original plans were to write another book Now, uh, Dope and the Age of Innocence is 1960 to 1965, and I was then going to write 65 to 70 because so many people had asked me what happened to the people in Dope and the Age of Innocence. So they. I started talking about what happened between sixty and sixty-five, uh, between sixty-five and seventy, which was absolutely hair-raising, right. and they said, "Oh my God, we've got another series!" <laughs> Immediately, <laughs> yeah. instantly, yeah. and um, so we'll see what happens. They now have to write the scripts and sell it on to HBO, Amazon, or Netflix, okay. or, or some other. Uh, so, would
1: would go on that they they wouldn't show it in cinemas then? Uh, No, because they're not doing it as a film, they're doing it as a TV series. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 Uh,
2: Which is fine by me. Mm. I find that interesting. Do you know when that will be finished, that process? God knows. I mean, they've got the writing, I think, three quarters done, um, and they're waiting to... They'll now be putting it out to the big distributors like Amazon, Netflix... HBO yeah. and so on, and then when they get to go ahead in that, they then go into final scripting and then first day of principal photography, I get a heap of money. Uh, that's
1: when the real crunch comes,
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we hope for the best. Yeah. All right.
1: Well, good luck with that. I hope it works out. That's
0: Clive. Clive's on the way, so he can't come. Oh, Really?
1: <laughs> Oh,
2: really? He's trying to keep off the booze. Oh, right. okay. He's 87, I don't know. He's the guy who owned the Domino Bar. Oh, gosh. Mm. What, he's he's mentioned in the book. Is he in Ibiza? Oh, yeah, he lives here. He's lived here all the years in between. Wow. Yeah, he's 87 years old and still Compost Yeah. I suppose the best way of doing this is to go up to the Plaza del Sol first of all. Yeah? Yes. And then
1: go around to... Uh, well, I, I, rec- I recognised from your description in the book that it was Plaza del Sol because <laughs> <laughs> I know that, that back entrance to that. Yeah, yeah. Is.
2: yeah. Well, what, what is this? This is a blog that you do every
1: week. It's a podcast. Well, do you know podcast. What a podcast? Do you know what a podcast is? Yeah. A lot of people I don't. Agree it's um it's called ibithology and it's just uh, i just for me it's a fantastic way to meet interesting people who have got a connection with Ibiza, uh-huh. and i just record an interview about once a month and then i edit it put some music on the beginning and the end some Ibiza music and a little introduction and then it goes out to people who've subscribed to the podcast uh-huh. It's the Smoking. Yes.
2: Uh, I can't keep up with uh, people. But once I start climbing hills, I'm fine.
1: Yeah.
2: On the flat.
1: How many years did you smoke for?
2: Um, until let me see, from uh, six, to <laughs> 60
1: to 60. <laughs> <laughs> six to sixty. Six to sixty.
2: Probably from about 16 to 60.
1: Yeah. What, what, uh, what was your favourite tobacco? Uh,
2: Goloise, Gitan.
1: Oh, called Ah, lovely.
2: When well, I met Marie, I was smoking a Gitane. And I think she thought, what's this funny tobacco? It's very
1: exotic. <laughs> well, it smells, it stinks, it smells. doesn't it? it stinks. <laughs> I was driving a French car too. We walk across Varadaray and around the side of the great walls of Dalt Villa to enter the tunnel which takes you up to Plaza del Sol, where Damien hid from the police in 1965.
2: I remember coming up here in the dark, there was no light, and uh, I snuck up here, you know, we out there there was a square which was just a dust, a dust square. And, one time, a Guardia, not a Guardia, a local policeman showed me how to ride a motor scooter going round and round there because I nearly knocked him down the first time I rode it. Yeah. He was outside the Montessori and somebody lent it to me and it reared up and on one wheel. Sort of, he was standing in sort of point duty yeah. and I just sort of clipped him, didn't knock him over. But uh, I like uh, came off myself, Yeah. and he said, "I'm going to teach you how to ride one of these things, and uh, I'll meet you this afternoon when I've joined siesta here, and we'll drive around." Mm. And he did. You were lucky. But when I came up here on the run,
1: yeah,
2: I remember there was nobody around. I came in from the country and uh, from Lisa's, and. Uh, with Stan uh, and uh, who's uh, Rick in the book, and we came up here and it was absolutely dark, mm-hmm. without any of this handrail stuff yeah. or anything like that, and it was all sort of sneaky and dark and sort of watching out. I wasn't so sort I of wouldn't be seen by anyone. I mean, we were very paranoid, probably sensibly. You'd say now, well, wasn't that overdone? I mean, if they saw a foreigner. But somebody had told me they'd seen a wanted notice. I'm never sure whether it was true or not. But I did leave some photos, stupidly, in the VW van. And why the hell I brought them with me ever, I won't understand, I can't understand. It must have been sheer vanity or something. And anyway, they were left behind in the VW van. So the cops had perfect images of me. And what a pity, I lost lovely pictures as well. As well, yeah. Never saw them again. They probably still
1: in the archive somewhere. Yeah! (laughs) In Damien's words, We went via the dark tunnel leading up through the old walls west of the Varadaray. At the top of the tunnel, we came out at an open space of dust and bedrock. Two old-fashioned adjoining houses stood facing the parapets which overlooked the new town and the sea. They were two-storey and run-down with flaking whitewashed fronts. Rick crossed to one of them and I followed. I noticed it had once had a shop on the ground floor. He opened the door with a big iron key and we went up a narrow, musty staircase to a door on the first floor which he unlocked. The old town pad, as I came to call it, was cold. It never got the sun in winter. It was utilitarian and bare, but none of this mattered to me. It was an ideal refuge. It had been empty for a long time, and nobody lived downstairs.
2: Oh goodness, there's somebody! Look, the window's even open. It's where the cactus is.
1: Okay, on the first floor. Yeah. So during the summer, this is um, a busy restaurant. Here, it's a big it? restaurant, Del Sol.
2: That's right. <laughs> Uh,
1: so can you describe that flat? It was very dark and dingy. I think.
2: Yeah, it was. It was uh, two rooms. Two rooms. The inside room, as you can see, would probably only have had, had only a tiny window. Not only really, probably, but uh, it sort of suited me really. I never came out in the balcony. I don't know why we were so careful, but mm. we were, clearly it worked. Mm. It was sensible to be careful, but we thought that. Um, It was as if, you know, anybody who saw me uh, and I was in trouble, they'd know that I was uh, the guy who the cops were looking for. So totally avoided being sighted by any locals. I never came out here. I mean, if I was starving hungry, I couldn't come out because I didn't even know where the nearest shop was. And anyway, I'd be seen. And there were people living all around here in those Uh, days, right? uh, Frankly, no. I don't think there was anybody... Well, I, there may have been somebody downstairs, but I had... I just sealed myself in there and mm. just didn't... I mean, the most I'd ever do would be to sort of open the door a little and look out and see the the outside world. This but was largely, I stayed six, right inside.
1: And this was 64?
2: This was sixty. Uh, no, it was uh, actually... Uh, 65.
1: 65, yeah, because you've been in the winter in... Yeah, and the winter the of 65, run. exactly,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. And it was bloody cold up there, and uh, there was um, nothing but uh, one room with a bed in it and the other room with a small kitchen, a table and a couple of chairs. That was it. There was no sort of fancy furniture or pictures on the wall or anything like that. Yeah,
0: this was... Um, this was A German guy, and he had it for years, and then we bought it about less than a year ago. There you
1: go. Uh Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. So what was it like when you lived here in 65?
2: It was two rooms, one there, one here, and uh, there was a table with two chairs, Mm -hmm. and a bed in one room which had no windows, so it must have been for small windows. Where, Where was you're no bot.
0: <laughs> No, but I'm sure, I mean, he did...
2: And this was closed off. Of, yeah, this yeah. This was not
1: He was hiding from the police.
2: Yeah, no, no, I got that, uh, I got that.
1: <laughs> and he never, yeah, no, he, no. He, he didn't want anyone to know he was here, so he never opened the balcony.
0: Yeah, no, I, 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 my first year here, I was, um, I'm from Argentina. Right. I came here 11 years ago. And oh. I was working in a bar, like at the end of port. And my boss, he's, uh, he's English, and he had a similar story. So then, yeah, I uh, you know. <laughs> I know. It's like, well, up you mean, know, yeah, that, well, That's what in, he was telling me. Bith has a lot of strength. Yeah, he yeah. came to in the 776, I think. Yeah, 76. 76. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, this was Six. 65. I came here in 61.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. First.
1: How does it feel coming back in here after all these years?
2: a surprise yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> frankly I can't say any more than that yeah. there's no sentimental journey about no. it I'm no. just sort of I, 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 I'll tell you what it is it makes me understand how confused you can get after 60 years or whatever <laughs> <about that>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a realisation of the shortcomings of um, uh, age or long, long time mm. an yeah, intense
0: life for sure yeah yeah <laughs> that's right, that's right, that's right.
2: I remember all sorts of things about you know the, the steps coming up mm-hmm. and everything but this apartment just completely blows my mind I mean like I've no idea I do remember being so paranoid so frightened of getting seen that I wouldn't even step out on the balcony uh, the most I'd do would be to open the door a little slit mm-hmm. and just look out and that was it <laughs> Um, but then I, but it was a good idea to be so careful.
0: Of course, of course, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. That's why I'm here.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Paid off, yeah. Yeah. paid off. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> no worry, thank you. Looking very good. That's thank, great. You. Thank, thank you. A so to meet you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much. Good
1: luck with renting. Thank
0: you, thank you. It's, uh, it's lovely you place.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Charming, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It's got two bedrooms. I hate to think how much they're charging for rent. I know.
2: Yeah, I hate it's, to think. Um, it hasn't been
0: occupied. Let's see. We, we've, no. we've walked up here. Quite
1: often. Most most of the places are empty in the winter. I think.
0: Yeah.
1: The so. population's so small, Yes. and then everyone comes here to work for the s- three months in the summer. I know. And it's they, mad. That's an amazing place. Yeah. You've got some good passages in the book about Dolt Villa, describing the. The winding passageways oh, oh, and uh, yeah, enjoyed that enjoyed up in the villa Alt, as the Ibitenkos called it, local women, mostly in black, were cooking meals outside the small, crowded houses, and the lanes were full of smoke and the smell of fish and burning charcoal from the walls. I watched the sun sink into the sea with Formentera off to the southwest, the high plateau of the mola catching the last of the light. And how do you compare Ibiza now to those days? Uh, Mind-blowing.
2: Um, in, in a single word, if that is a single word, it's two words, but um, it's, it's just so absolutely tarted up and so... I mean, it's brought out the very best in it mm. because before, yes, there is a certain romance to discrepancy and to dereliction uh, but um, at the same time is better really when it's not derelict and when it's shown in its glory and you know this is must be close to in many cases its original glory, I mean people didn't build houses with the paint flaking on them they built them with newly painted and they looked great and um while, as I said, there is a romance to the dereliction, mm. uh, I'd really... Uh, it, it looks much better now. Pr-
1: the progress yeah. has been positive.
2: Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd say so, in definitely. Dalt Villa, in in Dalt Villa. In mm. Dalt Villa, Villa, yeah, very definitely. What, what
1: about the Ibiza as a whole? S-
2: mm. Well, the one thing is that, of course, it's so commercial, uh, is the very very striking difference um, it, it, it was not a place where people were sort of exploiting every every possible angle to make money now it's very money driven and uh, so therefore the ambiance and the ages of it has sort of changed, It's uh, it's got a different st- different vibe in that way. It is mm. much more commercial and that's not necessarily... That's not necessarily... Oh, this has uh, been blocked off improvement.
1: Mm? Yeah. Are you going to be blocked there? Oh, there's a way through here, look. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, what about... Um, I mean, do you think it's still got a bit of a, the old... Um, vibe it had ah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, yes yes it but definitely it, unquestionably has um, a lot of the old vibe
2: and if people were um, saying to me well could I come here for the romance that there was in the past I'd say yes there is loads of the romance that there was in the past uh, still here hmm. sure you only <clears throat> I was absolutely slayed by the old town in many ways I saw it much better uh, with much greater clarity it's, it's real resonance uh, and the real it's real uniqueness than I did at the beginning way back then everything was run down everywhere you know oh, yeah. uh, and now suddenly that it's um, been revived it's the charm it had is lost I'd say no 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 the charm isn't lost at all oh.
0: And no. also, we were looking at the big um, estates the, <laughs> and the land, remember?
2: Yes.
0: Where they're restoring terraces and planting vines and trees and so on. Rich people who've yeah. come
2: in to buy up yeah. sites and houses and restore. They're,
0: they're restoring something yeah. that is...
1: It's a positive thing.
0: It's a positive thing. Some yeah. people, I think... Even are, if they are rich
1: foreigners... At least... They're
0: rich foreigners, sensitive to the place. Though. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, some of them are really very beautiful and as Marie says, they are helping the landscape which is getting overgrown and terraces abandoned walls falling down and all that all that stuff stopped yeah. uh, in, in certain areas where people have had the money to restore and are restoring sensitively but there is the commercial element down here in the lower town Um, I like El Soto El Soto Soto. do you know where El Soto is is? uh, it's over the walls it's 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 uh,
1: on the on in Dalt Villa the seaside yeah on the
2: seaside the seaside down by the sea behind Dalt Dalt Villa there's a Ah, An untouched, unspoiled, yes, yes, unspoiled, uh, wild, very yeah, wild and rocky, yeah. and unspoiled. And there's a lot of wildflowers and a lot of um, natural, cultivated, interfered with land. It wasn't worth. It's it's all rock. It's rock with a few sort of stunted pine trees and a lot of, as I say, wildflowers. And it's a uh, it's very nice down there. And
1: the walks, but, I suppose. The
2: walks we've been on. Oh, yeah. In the countryside.
1: The countryside.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I suppose I like it down here where the Domino Bar is around there. Yeah. It's old time shape down by the Moye Yeah. At the pier. Um, and this sort of thing, corners like this, where you've got um, all old Houses and uh, it sort of takes me back somewhat. I mean, this sort of area here is unchanged, it's yeah. you wouldn't know that it's uh, it's it's no different. We've got on there, and um, it's no different than it was that street when you look at it there. It's Carrer then Mig. I can't remember what that was in Spanish in Castellano. Carrer Den Mig. I don't think I knew this street names. I doubt the street names were up on the side of the walls at the times. There's a tabac there, that's probably been there forever. And, um, yeah, this street would be almost 100% as it was. It's pretty well
1: preserved, isn't it? The the La Marina. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Big old doors. Yeah, it's very... I mean the best of it is where they've kept it the way it was but simply restored it to the way it first was in other words the way it was when it was first somebody proudly moved into their new house and had it painted up and it looked its
1: best we can go through here okay so the domino bar is quite close to the end of the harbour uh, sort of. Yeah.
2: It's uh, it's on the lower level. Uh-huh. You know where the where the road goes down. Uh, as you walk along the waterfront, there's a piece where which is on a lower level than the main promenade, shall we say? And that's where the Domino was. But at that time, well, I'll tell you about it. It was so know that when the tide was high the water came up through the loo oh which no. wasn't a very pleasant experience <laughs> but now here we are this is the corner which is really important um, in those days. First of all this is only went as far as the sea came up to about where the trees are
1: Yeah, all of that would be new. Okay so that was about where maybe 20 yards so it's tw- 20 yards less harbour than there is now, or yeah. a lot shorter. Yeah, I'd, I'd say 20 yards at least.
2: This was actually where, now I come to think of it, the Oveja Negra was, the, um, the bar owned by an Argentinian. But this corner was very, very important. Um, I remember uh, Elmir de Hori and, as they call them, the Spanish twins, they were apparently related to Spanish m- royalty would be dining here and they'd be eating gambas agilio, something that I could never possibly have afforded. I'd be eating around the corner Mm -hmm. in Carrera de Vincenzo Soler, the Pasajeros restaurant where you could get a paella for eight
1: desserters. Pasajeros is still there, the restaurant.
2: It's called the Pasajeros,
1: is it still? it's still there. It's one of my favourite restaurants.
2: Is that so? Great, I didn't know this yesterday. There it is. Oh, it is. Yeah. Is it on the first floor now? Yeah,
1: yeah. Ah, then it was on the ground floor. Oh, so that's been going for a long time, that. Then it was on the
2: street. This is where I ate. This was it's cheaper. Um, and uh, you got a paella for eight potatoes. There was very little in it other than rice. Uh, there might be a bit of gristly chicken. Um, but that was it, but they were nice people and it was my regular place, you just walked around the corner from the Domino. Mm-hmm. Now this was Juanito's restaurant and Juanito's was a bit upmarket, but it would be all tables all over here and as I said people like Elmir de Hori or Nina and Frederick, um, people like that would be eating here at Juanito's. I could eat at Juanito's, but I'd have to eat at the very lower end of the menu. Uh, and I don't think I ever really had the money to eat in Monito's. But Monito's was not considered to be a real upmarket restaurant. I can't remember these big palmeras or that olive tree that's been planted there yeah. since. Now, it was dead plain. It was dusty. It wasn't paved under foot. It was all dusty. And uh, so we could then come from the Domino, which is just here, um, it was only a very short walk to stagger over to the Pasajeros for dinner for urate Pesetas, Perfect. which I will Perfect. try to remember to have. Now. So the, this
1: is at a lower level, as you say.
2: Yeah, So and this
1: was all dust, hmm.
2: just broken dust. And the Valencia fishing, fishing boats would be over there where those troughs are. Now, this was here, and this is really historic, and this is the real thing. Um, it was the Lecheria La Bomba. Hi. And there was a lady in here who wore a fully bethank outfit, had uh, a large moustache, uh, and, uh, well, it was an obvious moustache, shall we say. And uh, she, you, you'd get uh, yogurt in a glass, uh, n- no plastic and you could get boccadillos where there was a big round tin uh, you know about at least a foot across a big round tin with layers of um, sardines in it and then you'd get a roll and it would be sin mantequilla or con mantequilla and if it was with butter it would be a peseta more or 50 centimos more and this sustained the drinkers and the domino who didn't have the time to leave the drinking to go to a restaurant Mm -hmm. or didn't have the money so we would regularly come in here to La Bomba uh, and that is absolutely as was so that's that's still the same business that's the same well I'm not sure if it's open this is the domino, Oh wow. uh, and so you went down steps to it. It's now a storeroom, and it's not open.
1: I ambled along the unpaved street, below the concrete apron that rings the port to the domino bar, and found Carlo and Rick sitting on rickety chairs in the dust outside. The domino had a single naked bulb over the door, and... The name scrawled on the whitewashed wall in black paint. It was the only foreign-run bar in town. It had been there from 1960, the cradle for the kind of speakeasy madness that was to make Ibiza a legend, a decade before the foam discos and rave parties arrived. At night, the door of a domino was like a hole blasted in the wall by sound. Out of it, into the silent night, poured the wildest, freest most innovative music most of us had ever heard. The musicians made it up as they went along. And the same could be said of the listeners. Shouting and swearing and drunk on its rhythms, they too were making it up as they went along. Three steps took one down from the dirt street facing the port and the fishing boats and led into the long, narrow, lime-washed catacomb that was the bar.
2: You can still see the old counter inside. You can open both sides,
1: I think. Yeah. So that really hasn't changed since the 60s. It's still got the same. No, board, you I think.
2: S- uh, oh, I would say so, yeah. Let me see if I can get a flashlight on it. Can we see? Would you can just about to see the bar down underneath all these things. You see that? Oh, the bar, yeah? Yeah, I can yeah, see. Yeah, that. that was the bar. And Over there are the concrete stalls. And this was the toilet here. Uh, You went in. Is the door still there or is it around the corner? There is is a corner there, I think. uh, It may be sealed in.
1: I don't want to drop my phone.
2: Yeah, (laughs) you don't drop your phone.
1: (laughs) I wonder when this was... um, Well, do you know when Domino's closed? How long it lasted?
2: Uh, Yeah, um... I think that uh, Clive told me that uh, it, it sort of closed, I, I, I think about five years after I'd left, something like that. It went on for five years, and he had another bar down here then, down the street. And it hasn't been, no, it's used as a storeroom, and I've been mm. in there. I've, mm. I had a funny story about it. Um, an old friend of mine who lives here, who was here at the time, and the guy who was my salvation when I was on the Lamb is a guy called Chris Smith. He and I, when I came back here for the first time after all the years away and I went walking down here one evening and we decided that we'd find out where the Domino was and uh, what it was like now. So we uh, we duly got as far as here and we pushed in the windows here and um, looked in and we started acting the Egypt and calling hey George hey Clive Brunswick you there? and so on (laughs) and next thing was we felt something behind us so there was a tall man very well dressed standing there and he said uh Uh, excuse me he said what are you doing Uh, you know and uh, we said well we're just making a sentimental journey because we used to drink here way back in the 60s and uh, he said oh he said would you like to i own this place would you like to go in and take a look and we said, well, that's very kind of you, thank you so much. So he went off and he got the key and came back and opened it up, opened it up and let us wander about inside, wow. uh, which was very nice of them all together. And it was then the stalls and everything were there because the stalls are still there, concrete mm. seats, but they're now, um, you know, they're using it as a storeroom so there's all sorts of cushions. I and wonder if it's still got
1: a, a licence, I
2: mean... No, no. They. What happens now is that there's a restaurant going. Maybe even La Bomba could be turned. Could it be turned into a bar? I don't know. See, it has an awning now, which it didn't have before. Mm. Um, I remember it as as kind of guys with a bar going here. They were very nice guys. This is five, four or five years after the incident I talked about, and. I said to them, hey, uh, you know, you, you have uh, um, a, a, the old Domino and they said, yeah, yeah, they said, you want to go in and I said, no, but I'll tell you what, sometime I'd love to get some uh, photos here and show it to people. They said, Any time you want, come along, we'll let you in. Clive knows the whole family that owns it now. I think he's even related to them. Okay. His second bar was down there somewhere. So we used to come out of here and walk down to the Moye down there to the pier, yeah. to smoke a joint. Yeah. And uh, as I said, you see the Valenciano fishing, fishing boats, and there was nothing across there on the other side. Nothing at all, absolutely nothing. You see a house or two. Yes. But that was it. The road to Talamanca had only two or three houses on it, uh, including Muntienda where we used to stop sometimes. I'd come go over there with the boys, either in the boat or um, on a motorbike, which mm. I'd borrow from someone. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so where did the sea come up to? Then? Well, here. Where the bicycle park is now. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, you know, there was very little traffic. I mean, there was, it wasn't like there was cars coming up and down. It must have been... I think that anything that you see sticking out there where that man is standing, that's all ex- just temporary extension. I think that the corner was the concrete corner here of the yellow building. Mm-hmm. So there was enough room to move between the water and the houses. Yeah. And the fact that it, now you'd say it's impossible because there wouldn't be room, but it, it, those are artificial or, or rather temporary mm-hmm. structures. Yeah. Because the boat from Barcelona pulled in just here, you see, you'd come down. And we used to sit over there at the domino and we could see people coming down the gangplank yeah. from the boat. So you saw the interesting people, the good-looking ladies, yeah. uh, the people with a kid. or mm. And, of course, would, they would spot you. And they'd spot you. This is exactly what happened with me. I saw actually you know, a crowd of interesting looking people over here so yeah. I just headed straight across and said like so many people did hi there I've just sort of arrived could you tell me where I could get some place to rent Or you had all the questions the yeah. usual thing mm. uh, can I get a place to rent here what's a good restaurant to eat at and uh, so the domino was sort of the information exchange for foreigners
1: arriving
2: and uh
1: so the owner, the owner, uh, isn't it Yipi is he? No, no. Clive no. is English, very oh, English. okay, right.
2: And uh, but he, he and uh, he had two other guys combined to run it. Yeah. There was Dieter. Um, his name is on the back of the book. It's not Lorenz, but Dieter, something anyway. Uh, and he supplied all the jazz, which was great, great jazz. And then there was. Uh, The guy who was mostly there actually was not Clive, but um, a French-Canadian, whom we used to call Domino Al. Alphonse, generally known as Domino Al. Mm -hmm. And he was the sort of, if you like, the resident manager. And Clive would be there, they'd come in then, you know, on busy weekends or whatever. Same old car there every night. As long as they were there then it did but be changing because of new people coming and people leaving. So you have a a mix and you all had the interest of new people, you know. I mean like this American comes in, this tall American with a suit and he's got two girls with him and each of them have their arms in a plaster cast. And they've got absolutely white faces like they've been whitewashed, but with absolutely jet black cold eyes. And the white plaster cast working perfectly with their um, chalk makeup, and a black guy wow. with him a real sort of jazzy thin guy called Titi, uh-huh. who was a saxophonist, and I remember talking to him over him over here one day because he didn't know where he was and he was a little confused. He'd eaten some di- di- digitalis. Okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, he was telling me that he was telling me all sorts of nonsense. But right there at that particular place, well, it would have been here then. Yeah, actually, because the sea would have. So sort of, little memories like that. <laughs> uh, and uh, this guy called himself King John. He's in the book, King John. He had uh, decided he smoked marijuana in New York. He was a lawyer. He was about 50 years old, 45, 50 years old. Smoked marijuana in New York and decided that it was such a wonderful substance that it should be legalised and that he was going to make a big campaign for getting legalisation of marijuana. So the first thing he did was walk into a cop shop in whatever, the 50th precinct and put down a joint on the table and said, uh, This is marijuana, an illegal substance, arrest me. And they did. Uh, and he uh, then set out to make a test case to get it uh, legalized. Yeah. But he didn't, didn't work at all. Didn't went work to jail. at all. He was sent to jail. <laughs> and when he got out of jail, he decided to just leave America altogether. Mm-hmm. He was pissed off with America. Mm-hmm. And for where he got these two girls and what they had to do with anything, but they were his like his acolytes. So he was traveling with a little group. He paid for them all. I think he paid for TT as well. And so it was one 45-50-year-old, one super slim, real sort of hip-hop jazz musician, black guy. And two white chicks with coal make with uh,
1: chalk makeup. And what what sort of music? You mentioned jazz. Was it mainly jazz playing in those days? This was pre yeah, it was all pre-pop. jazz. All jazz. Well, it wasn't. It was pre Beatles and so on. There was n-
2: really no Beatles or anything like that. There was. Uh, I don't. Not that I can particularly recall. And the Domino. Or
1: rock and roll. Rock and roll.
2: Rock and roll. Uh, it's yeah, rock and roll. Yeah, rock and roll. Yes, that's true. But it was mainly, you know, sort of Charlie Mingus, Art Tatum, John Coltrane, Albert Eiler, uh, Otis Redding, jazz.
1: Mm, nice.
2: And we'd go down the pure smoker joint and come back and fall into these seats and just sit there and close your eyes and whew, off you go. <laughs> With a double cognac in front of you, of course. Oh, perfect. Delivered by Angel, the bomber. <laughs> the first words I learned in Spanish were Ángel, dame
1: un cognac con su yellow. For the final part of our walkabout, we return to Varadaray, where Damien describes the scene around the Montesol Hotel and Alhambra Bar.
2: the Alhambra, you made your choice whichever one you wanted to sit at in the morning. Um, and there was none of this fancy umbrellas. And here was a traffic street mm. and on the other side a traffic street, typical mm-hmm. Rambas, as and and you it was,
1: see in Barcelona. And the, the Montesol was a place to hang out.
2: Yeah, well, uh, the, and the traffic cop that I nearly knocked over was standing there on the corner. What happened was this was the meeting
1: place in the morning. That morning, when I walked across to the Montesol, all the usual characters were there sitting about in their faded raiments, hair to the nape of their necks, the long-handled Ibiza baskets stuffed with dog-eared newspapers, cartons of cheap Spanish cigarettes and bottles of booze. Some had arrived on rickety bikes from the country, a few with dogs in tow. The woman wore eyeliner and eyeshadow, loose dresses and long hair. Some had bouffant hairstyles, still semi-intact after months away from the salons in New York or Paris or wherever they'd originally been styled. In the background were the usual sounds of hand claps used to summon waiters, sporadic roars of contradiction or howls of laughter as writers and would-be writers exchanged ritual abuse and the oos and ahs of the gossip club as they swapped the latest scandals and lore.
2: People came from all all the Estanjeros came from wherever they were hanging out because the post office was over there on that corner across the way. Okay. And Abel Matuta's bank was right opposite the Montesol and the Alhambra. And the Alhambra was, I suppose, didn't have the pretension of the Montesol. Mm-hmm. But it was just as good in terms of getting the coffee mm-hmm. and um, quite as friendly and so on and there'd be people there at the table so at the time the foreigners were outrageous of course some of them were Americans I suppose Americans do that a bit everybody shouts at everybody hey man come over here, sit down here what the fuck are you doing I saw you last night with my wife I wasn't <laughs> with your wife that was your your mother <laughs> and this sort of uh, bandying yeah wit and yeah. so on bandage would mm. uh, be in full flow in the morning and uh, everybody rushing around sort of saying hello to everybody and business was done so the alhambra and the Montesol, but the alhambra now of course is completely gone i mm-hmm. don't know what happened to it the alhambra has disappeared
1: well the montezal was shot for a, a year or two as well yeah yeah but then they've refurbished it
2: so there we go wow
1: thank you so much for um showing me around it's been (laughs) fascinating delve into ibiza's history and your history
2: yes indeed
0: per una no de conèixer, jo cantant la direi pare.
1: This haunting song was recorded in San Jose in the 1950s in Ibiza. It's called Bon Amor, Joe et Venk Aver, which roughly translates as Good Love, I'll Come See You. It's part of the Alan Lomax Collection at the American Folklife Centre in the Library of Congress. It's used courtesy of the Association for Cultural Equity.
0: Porque não me convém, tu sempre vas a leste, apareixes as galhos a ver. Não tens bocas de bocati, porque não há boba